One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on day 10 of the US Open, part one coming to you from the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center from the media restaurant. That is the hubbub you hear. And we're in the media restaurant just as we were yesterday because somehow, David, it got hotter. It did get hotter. And uh, and again, I think, look, I, I don't like these conditions at all either. And I'm not running around in them. I know you really get affected by them even even more than me. Um, but it's it's looking at the players that is the, t- is the tell that this is kind of as bad as I've experienced here because players that don't normally get their performances affected are getting them affected and that happened again today and it's horrible yeah I know I know some of you listening are probably thinking stop banging on about how hot it is you know people sitting in or there's actually a heat wave back home in the UK isn't there but you know I'm sure people listening to this somewhere are sitting in miserable weather thinking stop complaining about the heat but honestly the conditions are so brutal. They are. There is sort of no corner of this tournament. It doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like they're affecting. It really is infiltrating every aspect. I think. And I know this tournament is defined and quite happily defined by its brutal conditions. The fact it's the last last Grand Slam of the season. It is a real sort of last man and woman standing vibe. And I like that about it in general does feel like the cruelty element might be being taken a little bit far during this heat wave I mean hearing I know it's Daniel Medvedev so you take it with a little pinch of salt but hearing players talk about death (laughs) on court isn't necessarily a relaxing viewing experience and you can feel the discomfort in the air obviously for the players who are having to do exhausting physical activity but the crowds as well the vibe out there today and hopefully it's different for the night session just as it was last night thanks to to, I almost said Blake Shelton I've been getting it right all tournament (laughs) it's creeping back in again thanks to Ben Shelton and um, slightly less so Francis Tiafo so I hope hope there's a slightly different vibe to report on in part two but it's it's weird Matt it's a weird vibe it's very weird I would go I'd go further than that and say it's deeply uncomfortable to watch a lot of these matches and honestly, the Medvedev quote, a player's going to die and soon they're going to see. Yes, that's Daniil Medvedev. Sounds like a Springsteen lyric, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like potentially a quote of the age that like, we'll be looking back on in a few years. And honestly, like the world has a climate crisis, so tennis has a climate crisis. And it, I think we're not far off questions having to be asked about whether actually tennis can be played in conditions like we saw today and it's going to get worse you know temperatures are rising and in five ten years time we're going to be playing in even hotter conditions than this and it could be unsafe and I think there are things that tennis potentially needs to look at because nobody nobody wants this on a regular basis yeah, just because just they can and look, they just about can at the moment doesn't necessarily mean they should. And nobody wants to remove the physical endurance right. element from the sport. But I equally, I worry about what this is taking out of these players longer term and 
how it might impact the quality of of the remainder of the tournament. I mean, this is this is killing these guys. Well, uh, we may get an insight um, in the second men's match just to see physically what Zverev's able to to put out after what happened to him two nights ago and the state he looked in. It, it does remind me, it's probably 10 years ago, it's, it's coming up to 10 years ago when we had the hottest Australian Open run of days that I can remember where it was low to mid 40 degrees Celsius in about four successive days and it became that was the story of that tournament and uh, I remember Maria Sharapova walking around looking just delirious on the court and it was it was so distressing to, to see her like that um, and actually the I remember the the doctor the tournament doctor I think it was came out or maybe the ITF's medical practitioner at the time came out and interviewed on BBC Radio and and said that uh, humans evolved with antelope on the plains of Africa and 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 he was saying all this and they they took all this uh, this heat then and and they're used to it and there's not going to be any tragedy okay fine well he got I mean he got shouted down at the time um but you know this it's, it's the humidity element here, I think, that separates it. But we should remember that the rules started to change in Australia after that. And the heat rule came in where they would suspend matches on outside courts. They would bring the roof over if it reached a certain wet bulb globe temperature with the heat and humidity combined. And, and you know, they've moved the the roof over to the last couple of days to create shadow and shade. And, uh, and I think that is sensible and um and they're probably going to have to evolve a heat policy in the same way i mm. think as as has done been done in australia in the end mm. yeah and and i sooner rather than later because it's it's, it's 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 as matt says only going in one direction we all we all know where this is going um and you, you don't want to see something terrible happen and for the fans before we end well, up at like the inevitable said, destination. The, the, the discomfort of people sitting watching it, you know, it's horrible for them. Yeah, and, and media sitting covering it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's cover the Medvedev-Rublev match. Straight sets, extremely strange. Um, slightly strange in ways that I wasn't quite expecting. Far more breaks of serve. I mean, I don't... I, I'm trying to work out why the heat, why these conditions seem to be leading to so many breaks of what are usually impenetrable serves. I know Medvedev is having serving issues, but I mean, we're seeing sets of men's tennis between big hitters that are just exchanging of breaks, with like a relay being handed back and forth. And it's, it's pretty bizarre. I felt like Medvedev gave us a little insight into that in his on-court interview. He said, after a while, I couldn't see the ball. I, I was just sort of, I mean, not not literally. Obviously, you could see it to hit it, but he couldn't really focus. I think he looked, he was walking around, he looked like he was in a daze, really. And so both of them did. And that's, that's this sort of delirious state these players seem to get into. He said, I was just running back and forth, chasing the ball, but I think a kind of ability to focus and think goes when they're that in, impacted by the heat. He said, the only good thing I see in these conditions is that we both suffer. That's Daniil Medvedev talking about the godfather to his daughter there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I get it. You know, he means it's, it's, a, it's a level playing field. He, he was very quick to talk about Tokyo, wasn't he? Yes, he uh, he was asked if they were the worst conditions he's ever played in today, and he said, "Well, joint with Tokyo." <laughs> <laughs> that was a scarring experience for him at the Olympics a couple of years ago. I mean, it was a strange match. Rublev had had leads in all the sets, didn't he? It was a, he came out firing. Rublev won the first ten points. Three love up in that set. Three Even that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> If you'd have said to me any scenario, <laughs> that is the one I would not have come up with. Yeah. Then 3-1 up in the second set, 4-2 up in the third set, and he lost all of these sets. And I think that, as, as, as Pam Shriver, just, I think she just blew us a kiss. She did just blow us a kiss. Bless. <laughs> um, what was I saying? <laughs> Rublev was, was Sev- a break-up in all the sets. Several leads. But wasn't able to convert any of them. And I, it just, I think, speaks to an underlying 
mental edge that Medvedev has in this matchup. Like, I think even when he was down in the score, he knew that he could come back against Rublev, and Rublev knew that Medvedev would probably come back as well. And that was kind of the sense I got in this match. I never, I never trusted Rublev in any of those leads. Which is strange, given that he's beaten Medvedev, and he's beaten Medvedev quite recently, and he's beaten Medvedev on a hard court. Like, I, I felt exactly the same. He's clearly in his head. And but, but that's... That's more about the weird and wonderful place that is Andre Rublev's head rather than any actual reality of their matchup, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a bad matchup for Rublev. Like, I, I think Medvedev feels comfortable in it. Rublev has to stretch to his limits pretty much to be able to keep up with Medvedev. But it's not Monfils Djokovic, is it? No, but it was a Grand Slam quarterfinal, and that's a whole other thing that's also <laughs> well, yeah. lodged in, in Rublev's head. He's 0-9 now, Rublev in Grand Slam finals. First man ever to, to lose his first nine Grand Slam quarterfinals. Will he ever win one? No. Will he ever? I mean, no. I, I, I suppose if he, he can avoid playing these players he, he has had very tough draws he'll there was keep one. getting to them I think there was one he lost to Chilich yeah, at might, the French Open he might reach a semi-final that was one that got away I don't see him ever reaching a final you don't think it could be the sort of thing where once he finally gets over that no. hurdle I, I'm playing devil's advocate because I don't either I it's, don't a, it's a perfectly fair question it's the right question to ask I just I feel bad saying it and it, like, he's made progress this year uh, winning Monte Carlo, you know, beating Medvedev a couple of times, but at the Grand Slams, I mean that you're right. That one against Chilich was the one, probably, you know, in a final final set tiebreak should have won that. And I just watching him today, just trying to heave through the defence of Medvedev, who was clearly short of his physical best because of these conditions, and still losing in straight sets. I just don't see it. There was a point in the match where Daniel Medvedev re- removed his shirt, shoes and socks. So he was just sat there like he was on a French beach with a towel round his neck, legs outstretched. It was, it was a very relatable scene. He had the doctor out twice, receiving an inhaler. The, the second time the doctor came out, or the trainer perhaps, she gave him really strict instructions about how to take the inhaler with a little bit of edge in her voice. Well, like yeah, because the first time... You didn't time, do it right the first time. The first time, he got it all wrong. Right. <laughs> Did you watch it happen? Did he... Yes. She said, you've got to you've got to actually inhale as you're pressing. Yeah. You didn't press and inhale at the same time anyway. He was like, it is helping, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gives himself 10 out of 10 for the tournament so far. Does Daniel Medvedev. Going back to... The Chris O'Connell match in round two. So tough scene for Attila Balash in, in round one, who he absolutely crushed for the loss of three games, I think. Um, but yeah, he says 10 out of 10 since round two. I don't, maybe that's a mind game, knowing he's probably got to face his bogeyman next and he can't afford to give any kind of edge away ahead of that match. I'm still really worried about his serve. I know I've been banging on about it all tournament, but nine double faults today and some at some crucial times like he, he, I don't he, trust that it's like he watched serve. Ben Shelton last night well which we know he did watch Ben Shelton last on night website. on a pirate website because he did back to back double faults didn't he mm. it's, it's a new thing and he needs that serve that that underlines his game it, it's it's the it's the shot around which his game is built because it's such a good serve when it's firing and it allows him to race through service games, which can be useful for sort of applying pressure. And preservation. And exactly, preservation. And I'm just... That shot, I think, needs to be ticking and firing if he's going to beat the, you know, Alcaraz and Djokovic, really. Without that, I'd, I'd give him such a, such a slim chance. Now, maybe he can find it in, in, in the semi-final. I do think the rest of his game's been been good a lot better than it had been building up to the tournament although kind of hard to judge his last two matches just because they were so defined by the conditions they were played mm. in and you know it was, against Dimonor it was all about taking his legs away and against Rublev it was all about the sort of mental battle out there as, as well as the physical one of course so I don't know I'm glad that Medvedev thinks he's thinks he's playing so well as you said it could be a mind game 
but that serve, I think, needs to needs to be firing on, on a level that it hasn't fired at for a few months now. Did you have any more fun, David, commentating on this than you were fearing? Yes, I did, um, because we had. I think I think actually, funny enough, that the heat made it kind of interesting watching them deal with it and and we were picking up things Medvedev was saying in the corner there through the the microphones and um and we had Kim Kleisters and Jeff Tarango who were great conversationalists and it was just interesting to get their their insight um but there is still a metronomic sameness to to the rallies and uh yeah that that still applies and and I just that they're admirable, those two, but put them up against each other, and it is pretty dull. Mm. Naomi Osaka was sat courtside watching this with her mum. She's been in the house today. She uh, took part in a panel about mental health alongside um, multiple swimming gold medalist Michael Phelps, um, and she's given a few interviews which... Um, give us cause for great excitement because she's talking uh, confidently about how she's going to come back in, in at the start of 2024 in Australia. She's intending to play a full schedule of tournaments straight away. She's going to be making a coaching announcement soon. She says there'll be a coach joining the team soon. She even um, she, she took some, some questions after that panel um, took place in the the press conference room just along from here she even was talking about how she's started to look at Serena and Venus and the longevity of their career and she can see that for herself she said you know in the early days of her career she never ever thought she would be that kind of player playing deep into her 30s but neither did Serena or Venus famously and yeah. she now seems to have a completely different perspective on it all and goodness me that makes me excited oh yeah yeah and it was it was finally lovely to see her i went into the press conference where she was having that mental health discussion with michael phelps up at the uh, in the panel and i thought both of them spoke so well i found that really uplifting that they are showing their vulnerabilities and and ex- sharing their experiences for people to to realize that it's okay to talk to people and and it will help um, and, I, and I loved that. Um, and I didn't know they'd done interview, that she'd done interviews afterwards. And, and that does. I, I really hope the best for her, person on a personal level, a human level. Don't know her, uh, but but I hope the best for her and for the sport of tennis. She would be such a boost. She she gives so much to to the sport if she's happy and playing. And contributing, competing, because she's just such an amazing watch, and she, I think she means a lot to the to the sport. I think she's a really there's so many people that can get behind her and want to support her and and relate to her, and uh, I, I hope this is a comeback. I hope she can make it all work. Mm. Yeah, I even got excited just in that press conference. The first question she was asked, she answered it with. Um, honestly, for me, and I was like, we're back. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Naomi. Um, you've you've given us a lot to look forward to, and you've given me the opportunity to say that if you would like to travel oh, to Australia I to see, see Naomi Osaka play in the Australian Open. AO Travel can sort you out. Uh, of course, the tennis podcast throughout this fortnight is brought to you in partnership with AO Travel. They operate the travel program for the first Grand Slam of the year, the Australian Open in Melbourne, where Naomi Osaka intends to play her first Grand Slam back. AO Travel take care of your flights, premium accommodation, tickets to the tournament, behind the scenes experiences, and those experiences include the all new AO Travel Lounge. And it is to celebrate the launch of that lounge that one very lucky tennis podcast listener will be winning an AO Travel premium lounge package for themselves and a friend. 
to go to the Australian Open in style in January. Two economy flights to Melbourne, tickets to the Rod Laver Arena over the middle weekend, three nights accommodation at the five-star Pullman on the Park Hotel, as well as two-day access to the luxurious AO Travel Lounge. You can enter the prize draw today by clicking the link provided in your show notes. You have until Monday the 18th of September at 11.59pm New York time to enter and terms and conditions apply. Very best of luck. Now, on to the first match of the day that we saw in the Arthur Ashe Stadium. 6-1, 6-4-4. number one, Arena Sabalenka over Zhang Xinwen. This was her fifth consecutive Grand Slam quarterfinal. And she's only played six in total. I say only. I mean, five of the six have now come consecutively. She's never lost one. It, it's incredible how consistency, David, has become such a pillar of Arena Sabalenka's career. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's a lovely point of difference from the sort of before and after becoming a Grand Slam champion. Um, and yet we still have these question marks over what happens when she's in the semi-final. Um, and we're going to f- get to find out. But I do find it impressive. I, I, I like the fact that a world number one knows she is going to be crowned. And what does she do? Steps up and gives a performance like that. Um, helped by an opponent who's still pretty erratic, I think, and and doesn't know what to do against the the pace when it's coming at her like that. One of them was secure, one of them wasn't. But she's such a pro, Savalenka. She's a real professional player. She turns up and she just knows what she's doing. She executes. She, do, I mean, yes, she she sometimes gets wobbles that have derailed her, but. I love the fact that she just keeps turning up at the latter stages of these big tournaments. It's great for the game. Mm. Yeah, I think interesting that con- consistency has become such a defining feature of her and also showing up in majors. Like Again, talking about Naomi Osaka, interesting that Naomi Osaka will be coming sort of back into a tennis world where Sabalenka is a, is a Grand Slam force because she wasn't really only a couple of years ago. Okay, I know she reached couple of semi-finals in in 2021 but that was the that was the start of it there was a time in Sabalenka's career quite a long time where she would constantly lose in the second third fourth round of slams and I always think of her match against the Sarka at the US Open here which I think was in the fourth round in 2018. Sabalenka had won New Haven Hunchy coming in and was hot. Right and everyone was sort of circling that match as okay the winner of this could could go on to win the title and of course Osaka did win she did go on to win the title and she became the player who always shows up in majors and Sabalenka was having her more success on the tour and yeah so Sabalenka has turned herself into a player who well she's reached the semi-finals of all four majors this year which is such a hard thing to do and yeah today I, th- I think completely agree with David it was amazing the way she was rushing Jung Chin Wen like Jung Chin Wen it was almost as though she'd never experienced anything like that before. How is this ball getting to me so quickly? And it took her a set to even start feeling the ball on her racket. And she, she did quite well at the start of the second set, Zhang Chin Wen, to make it close. But Sabalenka was in control. Um, she said that you know she trains in Florida, so she loves these conditions. And, yeah, just a very, very dominant performance and a very, very dominant tournament so far. But again, as David said feels all about the semi-final for Sabalenka mm. that is the hurdle that yes she's got over once all due respect to Magda Lynette it was Magda Lynette and that was a calibre of opponent that was lower than some of the ones that she's lost and will be lower than whoever she meets in the in the semi-final she's going to be facing either a Grand Slam finalist in Keys or a Grand Slam champion in Vondrosheva so she's for sure hoping Keys wins that uh, that match tonight right I, th- I think I if think so. I think if Andrews was fit enough, and yeah. she, people have been saying she's been serving okay, absolutely, because Vondrousova fully fit is a blooming nightmare for so many players. But mm. you know, she could just beat everybody again. You know, she's done it once when I certainly wouldn't have thought she would, um, and now that she's won one as well, I yeah. Six Grand Slam quarterfinals so far in Sabalenka's career, and she's never lost one she's won all six of them which obviously is an incredible record 
ESPN put this into a graphic, um, and on that same graphic was Chris Evert, who won her first 48 Grand Slam quarterfinals. 48. I'm still. I've been processing this all day. I can't. I'm sure frequenters of the Wimbledon Library probably know that stat do you remember, do you remember heart, all that research I, I she did I, I, did we ever have that stat probably can you remember Matt we I've, probably I, I've definitely heard that stat before I mean I think it actually came up uh, at Wimbledon where at, Sab- at Wimbledon at Wimbledon where Sabalenka reached the semi-final and, and had won her first five Grand Slam quarterfinals <laughs> because okay. I think that was quite an impressive achievement as well and you know she's getting there she's, she, she's slowly working her way up only 40 to go I mean honestly I cannot I sorry David 42. 45 okay no 40, 40 no, that, right? that was terrible math <laughs> come on guys <laughs> between us we were almost right <laughs> I mean yeah I, I can't think of another stat where there's such a such an outlier you know <laughs> like outrageous even like even Nadal's 14 French Opens which you know, is I think the tennis achievement of all tennis achievements like that's about to diss it so, so, so someone's closer to that than they are to <laughs> yeah rel- to in relative terms yeah, yeah. what about Nadal's uh, consecutive weeks in the top 10 hasn't Martina got more oh <laughs> Matt's all over Nadal <laughs> I think hasn't Martina got like I think she's got the most, hasn't she? Wowzer. Probably. Sounds, sounds right, mm. yeah. Dissing the doll. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no. <laughs> didn't think that's where this podcast would be going. Nadal's shade. Um, just quickly, last question on, on Zhang today. Obviously, you know, I, I get it. That was her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. She is facing the sort of opponent that takes some getting used, used to. It's, there's no shame in being manhandled by Irina Sabalenka. But she does have a glaring weakness in her game, a glaring technical weakness. Do you expect Zhang Xinwen, who has a cracking coach in a corner in Wimphiset, knows what he's doing, knows how to make champions, do you think she's going to come back from the off-season next year in Australia, where you can go to with, <laughs> with AO Travel, if you like, um, with a new service motion or an adjusted service motion? Yeah, it's... A- <laughs> I tell you where where it gives me hope that it is possible. I mean, I think Sabalenka is a great example for a start. The way she managed to eradicate the double faults. I, had you told me two years ago when she was having to serve underarm because she couldn't get the serve in, I would probably have said no. But that she didn't actually change that much technically. She yep. she developed the yips on yep. the serve really. I know she says she employed a biomechanist and all of this, and I'm sure there's changes she's made which are less perceptible to my untrained eye but we're talking about a whole different category mm. of change required for Zhang I think the, the other one I would have hope for based on is Djokovic because he's changed it dramatically under Goran and various other coaches I mean he's really worked on it I mean it's been a long period of time I suppose to get to where it is for the last three or four years do have to bear in mind he's just a heck of a lot more talented than the vast majority of players and maybe she doesn't have the ability to to properly learn a new technique that is reliable and one of those that is repeatable no matter what the conditions and stress levels and so forth I mean I'm just not I don't know enough to to be able to confidently answer that but I do think Wimphus Head is a very good coach and I I hope that she takes enough time in the off-season, I hope there is enough time to properly try and do something rather than just trying to cram more events in or something, you know, which a lot of players do. Um, so I, I just, I, I'm not completely convinced how good she is yet because I don't feel like I've seen her in enough conditions yet. This, is a, this was a good run and I think we get some information out of that, but would like to see much more of her um, but I actually something Kim Kleister said today in our commentary was now she's tasted what it is like both at that level of a tournament and that facing that level of an opponent who peaks for a Grand Slam somebody like Sabalenka it's it's easier maybe to establish what what the bare minimum needs to be to combat that and something Jose Higueras was saying in commentary last night during the uh, 
the Shelton Tiafa matches, he said when Shelton was knocking these serves down like crazy, he said players get used to pace quite quickly. They they can adapt if it's coming to them that fast. And you said after a set, Jeng was starting to, mm. to to get to a few of them, and they can handle that. It's the other elements of the game that be moved around, hitting the spots. Those are often the harder bits. But so it's 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 a it's a good start, isn't it? I think for it. Mm. Not that confident though that she will be a relevant no, you, force. No, you don't sound it. I don't feel it. I don't feel like I know her enough as a player. Mm. And I do feel like if somebody's talking about a hitch and a serve at this stage, that's a concern. While we're on serves and hitches in serves, I've just been reminded of a, a conversation I had the other day with Louisa Thomas, the freelance writer, who had re- recently done a profile on a baseball player about the yips and she was saying the sort of conclusion from that profile and all the conversations she's had with people in sport is that you don't ever fully get over the yips like they are always there and you are always managing it and it, and they might they might come back at any possible time which perhaps sounds a bit scary for Arena Sabalenka's future you know that but also makes me think even more just how impressive it is that she's managed to become so consistent and perform so well at big levels because it's quite possible that she's sort of having to do things to manage them and we might not even know about it at the moment she is she's sort of quashing them but they're there like those those demons are so fascinating and and checks out actually thinking about my experience on the champions tour seeing players in the lowest possible stakes situations imaginable with their all demons manifesting themselves I've watched Gaston Gaudio underarm serve (laughs) 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 at this random tournament in Colombia I thought what am I doing with my life um a few other headlines for you from the day session Coco Goff and Jessica Bagula are out of the women's doubles they lost in three sets to the reigning Roland Garros champions Wong Jin Yu and Shay Su Wei they will play Gabby Dubrovsky and Erin Routliff who won yesterday so revenge of sorts for Laura Siegmund who's gone around further than Coco Goff <laughs> in the women's doubles I'm, I'm reaching here but you get what I'm doing um, I'm just comforting myself because we've been denied the rematch <laughs> but uh, Siegmund and her partner Vera Zvonareva beat uh, Victoria Zarenka and Beatrice Haddad Meyer to make it through to the semi-finals they will face uh, Jenny Brady and some player Luisa Stefani so Vera Zvonareva this could, might be the first could time my still thing has be happened. a US Open champion Matt uh, and in the <laughs> mixed uh, doubles. The semi-finals are currently on court, and they are the one currently on is Ina Shibahara and Mate Pavic against Anna Danilina and Harry Heliavara. And it is Danilina and Heliavara that are currently a set up. The other semi-final is Taylor Townsend and Blake Shelton. No, oh god. <laughs> This is it. You've got the yips on that name and you've quashed them for six months, but they're back. So good, Matt. Thank you. Um, (laughs) It is Taylor Townsend and Ben Shelton against Jessica Begula and Austin Krychek. I'm so proud of you for the last six months of (laughs) coming over those yips. And now the last four seconds because you got it right that time. (laughs) Yeah. Austin Krychek is going to be the new men's doubles world number one on Monday, isn't he? Yes, that was that was yesterday's stat in the newsletter that all four number one positions are changing on Monday. It was the first time first time that's ever happened. Yeah, thanks to lots of good people at the WTA and ATP for confirming that that was the first time ever. Amazing stat. So that's what's going on. Let you know what happens in those mixed doubles matches and anything else significant around and about in part two. We'll also, of course, wrap up the last two singles matches of the day on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Marketa Vondrosheva against Madison Keys for the chance to take on Arena Sabalenka and Carlos Alcaraz against Alexander Zverev for the chance to face Daniel Medvedev. We'll see you in a few moments. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Welcome back to part two, where, as per usual, we are back at Tennis Podcast Towers and very much not as per usual, it's pre-midnight. It is a mere 11.55pm. Thank you to the genius of Carlos Alcaraz. 6-3, tonight over Alexander Zverev, who, of course, was physically depleted after his exploits against Yannick Sinner two nights ago. But, frankly, I don't think Carlos Alcaraz played all that well tonight, and he was just a different class. Yeah. I mean, if there is any depletion in Alexander Zverev, which I think there was, um, it is offset by the fact that Carlos Alcaraz was well short of his best, and yet you're still seeing the chasm that exists between the two. And it's long been known, I think, really, because one of them's got two Grand Slam titles at the age of 20, and the other one hasn't got any at all. And look, when you, when you see them play one another, Zverev's a really good player. He's really good, and he and he hits the ball blooming hard, and he he's he moves incredibly well for his size, and he's got this big serve. But Alcaraz is playing a different sport when he's really on. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? There were so many points this evening where I feel like we all had a Carlos Alcaraz experience. You know, there were there were lots of moments in there. But a match as a whole, it wasn't anywhere near what he's capable of, really. I thought his forehand was all over the place today. And he never seemed to get the strike quite right or the timing on it quite right. It coughed up a lot of unforced errors. Nearly 20 unforced errors just on that wing. Right, wow. Uh, The backhand was great. He was really solid on that shot. And actually, we... We really noticed how he was stepping in on the second serve return with the backhand and taking it early, and that was that was you know winning him a lot of points. And he played well when he needed to. He he saved all the great points he faced. He took all the great points that he had. Uh, accelerated away at the end of the first set, winning the last eight points of that. And there was lots of lots of little fun moments in there. And by the end, he was drop shotting Zverev a lot more and coming forward. It was. I think a fine performance overall, but not at the level that we're kind of used to seeing from from Carlos Alcaraz. And yet it was still just way too good for whatever Zverev had left. Yeah, I mean, I almost think, gosh, what great timing to get a, get, get a subpar performance out of the way. Because he is a 
streakier player than a Novak Djokovic. I think. I mean, Djokovic does tend to warm up his way into slams. He rolls through the gears, but it's rare that he'll go up and down. I think throughout a slam, whereas Carlos Alcaraz does. You know, he'll go up and down more throughout a match. He's a looser player. He will. I can't quite remember which one of his opponents it was this week. It was one of his early rounds opponents describing the challenge of fa- comparing the challenge of facing Alcaraz to facing Djokovic. And he said, you can convince yourself that you're more in it against Alcaraz because he's just a different type of player. He's taking a lot more risks. I you're, think that was Evans. Right. You're getting more from him, but actually you're not more in it because he's always... It's always within his power to knuckle down and turn it on when he needs to. But that I did find that an interesting kind of mental mental comparison. It felt like that tonight, you know, looking at the stats, there's not much to choose between them. Same number of unforced errors, handful more winners for Alcaraz. Alcaraz actually covered more distance between more distance during each point, but there was a chasm. The the stats just don't don't tell you what it felt like to watch that match, which was that there was an absolute chasm between the two of them. Uh, I, I think as well, the, the the backhand that Matt's referring to is it feels new for this year to me. So it feels new even for the last few months. I felt like he was doing that at Wim- in the Wimbledon final in the last couple of rounds. Suddenly he's developed this shot mm. where he can reliably middle it off of 130 mile an hour serve and move forwards at the same time. And I, th- I think we're still we're just getting started. That's the that's the thing that y- you talk about these uh, the ups and downs, which absolutely are there. I think in two or three years' time, he won't be doing that <laughs> as much. It's, it's it, part of the forty percent that Juan Carlos Ferrero <laughs> thought was missing from yeah. Carlos Alcaraz's game. It led to some lovely reminiscing about the saber, didn't it? Earlier on <laughs> oh, this yes. evening at Tennis Podcast Towers, we really. We really look back fondly on the the 2015 Roger Federer Saber Saber debut sneak attack by Roger mm. the, the the one where he starts running towards the service line before the serve's even been hit mm. half volleying Kevin Anderson's serve in Cincinnati <laughs> I remember that so vividly <laughs> Kevin Anderson who at that point hadn't you know hadn't had the best results of his career I I mainly at that point just thought of him as a big server. And there Roger Federer was half-volleying his only weapon. And then, do you remember, and then he sort of stopped doing it. He kind of did well, it for I a year the, or two. I think, the US I think Open Novak Djokovic killed Djokovic. it. Yeah, I do. That just, final killed it. Because he tried it a, a number of times in that final. And yeah. every time Djokovic was wise to it and ended up winning the point. And then he, and then he put it away, really, didn't he? He, yeah. didn't, he didn't really use it again so much in his career. Bit of a shame. Yeah. I, I a shame, but it's being revived. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrgios gave it a bit of a run for a while as well um, but I don't know this, the way, the way Alcraz just starts galloping towards it as if uh, he's hunting prey oh he's amazing yeah and probably playing Zverev not bad preparation for playing Medvedev in terms of taking advantage of the court position I mean I always say this with, with Alcraz and Medvedev I just Unless Alcaraz has a horrible day, I can't see Medvedev getting the better of that matchup. And he was asked about Alcaraz in his press conference today. At this point, he didn't know he definitely would be playing Carlos Alcaraz. But he didn't bother with the whole, well, we, we don't know if I'll be playing Carlos Alcaraz thing. I think firstly, because he's got, he's got no particular love for Alexander Zverev, has he? So there's no reason for him to feel generous. And also, he's just... You know, he's pretty straightforward with these things. And he he, he he was asked about how he'd said it on the court, and we discussed this earlier, that he's, he'd rate himself 10 out of 10. And he said, yeah, I'll need to be 11 out of 10 <laughs> against Carlos. And he said, look, I'll just need to be extra precise and hit the baseline with my ground strokes and serve brilliantly. And yes, he will need to do all those things. But I think this sport is about matchups. And I think if... Alcaraz is at all at the races, even if he does those things, it doesn't work. And maybe Medvedev was does have a new game plan to trial against Alcaraz, and he just didn't want to tell us about it in press, and that would be completely understandable, if not 
advisable. I certainly hope he does. Because mm. I don't want to see the match that I saw at Wimbledon and the match that I saw at Indian Wells. I don't want to see it again. I was I was shocked by how much their match at Wimbledon looked like their match at Indian Wells. Mm. Like the, in, Indian Wells made sense to me. A high-bouncing court that's slow. Alcaraz was able to push Medvedev off and it take was, advantage of all the space. It wasn't a hard court, and Daniil is a specialist. Exactly. This is a hard court. <laughs> <laughs> and Medvedev is very, very good at the US Open. You know, we know that. So I think the conditions here suit him the best out of their three matches that they've had this year. And honestly, if Alcaraz plays like he did tonight, that might be a level of Alcaraz that Medvedev can can make closer, I think. I still think there's a huge matchup problem, as you said. But if Alcaraz plays like that, I think Medvedev pushes him. I don't is, think he wins. Is he likely to twice in a row, though? No, probably not. Mm. But I think there were little little glimmers of hope there for Medvedev in that Alcaraz performance tonight. Uh, I, I tend to think that Medvedev's ball is easier for Alcaraz to just mm. hit mm. than Zverev's is because Zverev really does. Big. He hits the ball incredibly hard, Zverev. Mm. And so I just feel as though he'll get more opportunity to do the stuff he wants it's to so do. It's so easy for him to hit the drop shot off the Medvedev ground stroke, seemingly, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Um, look, we've got we've got tomorrow evening when we'll we'll mostly be talking about the women's semi-finals, but we'll also have opportunity to look ahead to the men's semi-finals. So, won't deep dive on it too much. But I am going to turn the tables on you, Matt, because you asked me a sticky question earlier on. And I'm going to put it back to you. On yeah. the pod, who <laughs> has a better chance in their respective semi-finals, Ben Shelton or Daniel Medvedev? Who would you? be less surprised to see in Sunday's men's final? I would be less surprised to see Daniil Medvedev in the final. David? So, I think it's more likely that Alcaraz doesn't play at his level and Medvedev can live with him than it is Shelton has a level over five sets to beat Novak Djokovic in a Grand Slam semi-final. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. I think it's maybe more likely that Shelton scares Djokovic in a set and yeah. makes it fun and actually Alcaraz beats Medvedev in three. I think yeah, maybe yeah, those yeah. are the most likely, but in terms of actually winning, I think yeah. it's the opposite. Uh, I, I think, think that's, a, I think that's sh- a very coherent answer. I think Shelton rocks Djokovic a few times if you want to put it in sort of boxing parts I think mm. he absolutely nails him a couple of times and has him wobbling you know one of those crisis moments that Djokovic is an absolute master at weathering mm. I think he has a couple of those with the crowd giving it to him and him getting upset probably a set going the whole place is up it looks like the upset's on but actually <laughs> Novak Djokovic is just regrouping yeah. and doing what he does very very plausible scenarios right I'll, I've I've bought into that <laughs> uh, Madison Keys is a three time US Open semi-finalist she beat Marketa Vondrosheva tonight 6-1 6-4 to set up a meeting with Arena Sabalenka in tomorrow night's tonight's as most of you are listening to this semi-final and I have an apology to make to, to Madison Keys. I keep underestimating her. I keep, I, both within matches and outside of matches. Yeah, I I don't give her enough credit. I was waiting for her to blink in this match. There was that game in the second set where she faced how many break point mat break points? Nine. Wow. No, well, she saved nine break points in, in the match. I can't... I think there were about five, five, five in the game. I think it was about five in yeah. that one game. Yeah. And, and she really saved most of them. Yeah. She really did step up and r- raise herself, raise her level. And I'm, I'm so impressed with how she did that. There were a couple of dodgy moments. She missed the most the easiest overhead, the sort of overhead that pros just don't miss. And there was another dodgy backhand into the net, wasn't there? And you're thinking, well, I was thinking, sorry, I don't want to drag you two into my apology. I was thinking, oh, this is it. This is the moment 
that all the demons and all the baggage well, and, and the lack of fangs, this is the moment that that all comes to bear, and it didn't. And I'm so, I'm so pleased for her. I did not see this coming, and good luck to her. Yeah, I mean, you've got plenty of years of, of evidence to, to make you feel like that, um, and, and understandably so, I feel. And, and that makes her achievement all the more impressive because she's got to deal with that. And she just managed to fight through it against a very tricky player who doesn't look 100% fit, but even so is still a Wimbledon champion and is still an absolute nightmare to play against. And particularly for a player like Keyes, who is occasionally just making some really bad choices and coming in on on a chip backhand to, to the forehand of Andrusova and getting passed. But by and large, the most impressive thing was that she was hitting hard but within herself, she wasn't flailing away and it balls spraying all over the shop. She was playing like the player that you always thought, or I always thought, she would eventually develop into from this audacious ball striker. And it's kind of never really happened to the degree I, I thought it could and should. So who knows? You know, maybe this, you know, it's never too late to try again. <laughs> and maybe this, maybe this is just the moment it all comes together for her. Who knows? Yeah, I, w- I was really, really impressed tonight. Just a flawless first set. Won the big points in the second set. Is it possible that like we, st- we still haven't seen the thing that we've been waiting to see from her? Like, I don't know. Have you gone too early with your apology is what I'm saying? Because like she has reached d- a lot of well, I do think she's Grand Slam semifinals. If that's your question. I, I still am I going just, to... I just don't know whether we've seen anything her. from Madison Keys this tournament that we haven't seen before. I, 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 I take no, the point I, about, like, mm. there was a bit more control about the game tonight, and it looked, it looked really good, and she's... Blumming tough opponent. Yes, but one who I don't think was all there. And that's it. If, if Keys is really pushed and she comes through it, that, to me, will be a point of huge difference. I, I draw a lot of parallels in my mind between Madison Keys and Grigor Dimitrov. We know about the ball striking. We know, we know how... I bet she's awesome in practice. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. That sweet, yeah. sweet ball strike. Y- you find out what they're, they're about. In terms of, you know, winning slams, in terms of the real sharp end of things when they're under pressure and there were moments tonight when she was under pressure those five break points saved she she showed us something there but consistently throughout a match these last two wins we haven't seen anything like the pressure that Arena Sabalenka is going to yeah, put her under. Unless Sabalenka's semi-finals all over the place. That I mean that record is so interesting because I I hadn't really landed with me that the one time she's got over it was against a player who is just really a surprising semi-finalist. I'd forgotten it was Magdalenette. All I can remember is Sabalenka against Rabakina as the <laughs> as this uh, that's the Australian Open memory I have. So to me that was all upside and and I know that sounds might sound really rude to Magdalenette. I don't intend that because she played brilliantly to get to the semi-finals, but it's a great draw really compared to what it could be. And all the others, she's lost. So it is fascinating to, to think now we get another semi-final, another big test for Sabalenka, world number one now, and this is a great test. Mm. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. it, it it's absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, and it does mean, by the way, they, they uh, shouted this out on... ESPN earlier that's three black Americans of the eight singles semi-finalists that I mean that is that is the Williams sisters legacy right there not exclusively there have been other extremely trailblazing black players over the years but none none is prominent and trailblazing as Venus and even more so Serena Williams and it's just it's just so uplifting to see the legacy before your eyes isn't it in the Arthur Ashe Stadium is yeah it's quite something yeah it, it is and I, I think probably even more so now because it's 
only recently that Serena stopped playing. And, and yeah, you get to look back and realise just how long they kept their careers and that example and that, that you know, that opportunity for, for people to follow in footsteps with. I mean, it's two decades worth of tennis and more in mm. Venus's case. And, and yeah... That that is really something. And you had Clervy and Gunu sitting there watching Madison Keys tonight. That's the next generation coming up behind her. Lindsay Davenport was um, we sat there watching Madison Keys as well. She's obviously still she's not an official coach, but she's still very much a mentor. Her official coach is her fiance Bjorn yes. Fratangelo. That's right. Yep. Um, I am getting a bit. A bit frustrated with the amount of narrative there is around the men behind the successful women. Mm. I find it a, a bit infantilizing. Yeah, well, I mean, that- I, know, I mean, look, I, I've I've talked about Brad Gilbert as much as anybody, but I think I am going to stop now because I am fed up. Yeah, I, I think I think generally too much too much credit ends up getting given to coaches as part of a narrative generally and most the vast vast majority of all the coaches are men including in the women's game so you do get that and it's Mm. uh i I do think sometimes we and we probably should take the lead from the players who so who in coco goff's case is is telling her coach to stop talking and also doing the complete opposite and then madison keys today is saying Frankly, I couldn't hear shit what he was saying. <laughs> so, it was a great there. moment. It was a great, it? great line. And listen, and I'm not trying to do him down as a coach either because, you know, she's in the semi finals, he's part of the team and all the rest of them. But um, I do quite like the uh, the moment when the, the women just slightly slapped that down a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's happening in these semi finals then? Matt's gone for Mukova in the newsletter. Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to give away the newsletter positions. You're supposed to sign up in order to get that info. Yeah. But that's just a little tease. And also because we haven't said how many sets. Yes. No. That's I in there. I think it's direct retaliation for Brad Gilbert claiming that Coco Goff does not know who Bruce Springsteen is. <laughs> I wondered why he went there. <laughs> you know, that's two members of the backcan list. Yeah. Who don't know it's, who it's Bruce Springsteen is. It's a tough scene for Matt. Is. I suppose... People contain multitudes, don't they? Yeah, we've got to be grown-ups about this. Yeah. I mean, we don't. It's his list. He can be every, <laughs> he can be every bit as childish as he likes about it. So what do you think, Matt? Who are our finalists? Oh, I'll go with I mean, Mukova, as I have done clear, in the newsletter. We do not know whether Carolina Mukova and Arena Savalenka and Madison Keys know who Bruce Springsteen is. I feel quite comfortable about Mukova. She's, she travels with her guitar. She likes music. I'm pretty confident about Savalenka. I think she could belt out some of his stuff <laughs> very well. Oh, I'm less confident. We'll do some hard-hitting journalism tomorrow, Matt, <laughs> and, and find out. Arena, uh, first question, but do <laughs> I mean, you know who? Genuinely not ruling it out. Sorry, Matt. On to the serious stuff. Mm. I, it, it's hard. It is hard because Savalenka's semi-final record, as David has just laid out, is lodged in my... In my head there. What's the number? One win, six defeats, or five? Five, I think. Five, yeah. And the nature of those defeats has been so similar. You know, it's been sort of on her racket and then an implosion, really. A a flurry of unforced errors in so many of them. Mukova being one of them. Exactly. Uh, Leila Fernandez. Yeah, those two were the worst. But I, having said that, <laughs> I will go with Arena Savalenka. And yeah, I don't know. I'll just go with Mukova. I think Mukova's just such a classy player. And I thought she was brilliant yesterday, was that, against Costea? And we were talking, weren't we, about the influence of the crowd and whether that will get to Mukova. And we sort of all concluded no. Like, we think, we think she's got a great mm. temperament. I think Coco Goff will have... Obviously, a huge amount of support, but I, I don't see it being really hostile and a difficult sort of atmosphere to play in. 
Agreed. I, th- I think it will be just very positive for Coco Goff. But I don't think they. I don't think Mukova is going to be, you know, Laura Siegmunding it up there and getting them all on their <laughs> no. on her back, you know. And so I think she'll be able to play her game. And Goff has Goff has played a lot of three set matches in this tournament. Like there's been opportunities for her opponents. So I could look. It's a it's a bit of a coin flip really I think it's so even but I'll just just give the edge to Mukova but I've been wrong a lot David Uh, I'm going Goff against Sabalenka in the final and I I think that I I, I think there are no limits on what Karolina Mukova is capable of doing but I think that Goff in this environment will scrap and be inspired and find a way. In the mixed doubles, Danilina and Heliovara did go on to win their semi-final against Shibahara and Pavic. And in the final, they will face Jessica Begula and new men's doubles number one, Austin Krychek. They beat Taylor Townsend and Ben Shelton. I saw some reports from that match that... Ben Shelton was not holding back. Ten <laughs> uh, three in the match tiebreak, Pagula and Krychek won. So yeah, that'll be the mixed doubles final uh, tomorrow. You can probably imagine what's happening tomorrow, but I'll confirm it for you anyway. Coco Goff and Karolina Mukova first semi final at seven pm, followed by Madison Keys and Arena Sabalenka. You've got men's doubles semi-finals, Bapana and Ebden against Eber Mau first on Armstrong at midday. Then Rajiv Ramajay Salisbury against Ivan Dodik and Austin Krychek. So Krychek's on for the doubles double. Uh, you've got wheelchair men's doubles action, Sonado and Houdet against Hewitt and Reed. That is also... On Armstrong, you've got some junior boys, Learner TN. I feel like he's some someone we know something about. We'll try and learn more about him for, for when we cover, cover the uh, the boys and girls in more detail later in the week. I can I can hear Matt googling, but but we'll save it. We'll save it, Matt. Right, that's your lot for today, except for the formalities. People stay for the formalities, don't they? (laughs) Hello to Willow, our lovely, lovely US Open mascot. Hello, Willow. I must put a picture of you on Instagram. That is going on my to-do list for tomorrow. We have our mascots. David, you've got Maisie. All right, Maisie, and thanks very much for the birthday wishes. Maisie went early with the birthday wishes. I got an email email and a photo. It is now officially your birthday, David. I mean, it's been your birthday in England for five hours, but... Yeah. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you, David. Thank you very much. We won't do an Alcaraz slash Djokovic and sing to you <laughs> on a live okay. broadcast or non-live broadcast. Um, I have got Zenya. Hello, Zenya. And Matt has got Darwin. Hello, Darwin. Points today. Points today for Darwin. Hasn't been able to say that too many times nope. this fortnight. <laughs> this year. <laughs> Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. She's been struggling in the heat wave in, in London, Billy Jean. Still about 15 degrees cooler than it is here, but, <laughs> but thinking of you, Billy Jean. We have our executive producers and top folks, Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. And Matt, we have shout outs. We have Andres. In Dallas, Texas. Like, like Gomez. Andres Gomez. Exactly. All right, Andres. Hello, Andres. Dallas. Dallas. Da, 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 da. You see, you get singing. <laughs> Dallas now makes me think of all the angry people that, when I was promoting the WTA finals going to Dallas last year, informed me that Fort Worth is absolutely not the same place as Dallas. <laughs> people were kicking off. It, it, was a, it was a whole thing. You two didn't know that theme tune I just hummed, did you? Well, I assumed well, I it was, assumed the it Dallas, was Dallas theme tune. But only assumed. You didn't know. No. Uh, no. See, the, loads of listeners are still humming along now. Who do know? <laughs> Thank you, Andres. <laughs> Am I, in your mind, what Coco Goff is to me now? 
not letting Bruce Springsteen. Are you as, are you as disappointed in, in me? No, I'm not. Dallas no. and Bruce Springsteen are not cultural equivalents, Matt. D- Dallas hasn't really had much of a mention for the last 40 years in okay. most people's world. By the way, best wishes to Bruce Springsteen. He's mm. had to cancel all his September shows. He's not very well. Oh. So we're thinking of Bruce. Sh- extra shout out to <laughs> yeah, Bruce. Sorry. <laughs> He'll appreciate it. <laughs> We've also Imagine if he slid into our DMs and said thanks for the shout out. No, mustn't dream of that. <laughs> a dream is a lie if it don't come true. As you were, Matt. Sorry. Alison Lemaire is our next shout out. We've had Alison Lemaire before, haven't we? Yes. Alison is living in New York City but missing London, where we raised our children. Aww. New York's pretty good, to be fair, Alison. Alison Le- spelt like the sea? Le Maire? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were talking about Alison. Spelt like the C. Me no. too. Le Maire. L-E and then M-A-I-R-E. Okay. Mm. Like the mayor of London. Like the French mayor of yes. London. Like the mayor of Bordeaux. Toulouse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alison, like We roost. got there. Um, hello, Alison, and thank you. Yeah, thanks very much, Alison. And finally, we have Chris Capusella, who is in Seattle, Washington. Oh, Chris. Like sensation Chris O'Connell, who played Daniel Medvedev into form. (laughs) I'm so delighted that we've got a a Seattle resident on my birthday. Seahawks fan, maybe? Maybe. Well, what we do know is that he is... Lucky enough to have completed the Fan Grand Slam. Good work, oh. Chris. It's one of my favourite things. That's some effort, isn't it, to do the Fan Grand Slam? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Chris. Thanks for your shout-out. Thanks for being a friend of the pod. We're approaching the end days of the US Open 2023. And uh, if you're worried about um, post-US Open withdrawal then becoming a friend is the best way to deal with that because we have Bocco. <laughs> That's what Bocco's for, guys. What's that again? Bonus content. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows by now, David. My I've, mom's still, I've made still it happen. shaking her head. Uh, the link to become a friend is in our show notes, as always, as is the link to subscribe to the newsletter. And also you'll find the details for how to enter that extraordinary AO Travel competition. We have four more of these to come. Tomorrow is a special David Law birthday pod. We'll speak to you then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.